My name is Wilton Sherika and this is another episode of the Black Oralities podcast series. This is a rant, a polemic, a manifesto, a call to arms. What you just heard was an arrangement of Nkosi Sikilele Africa and Ishe Komborera, sung, I believe, in Isikosa and Shona by the Wits SADSM Choir. I chose this piece because it will be the center point of this entire episode. I want to highlight the importance of this hymn, Nkosi Sikilele Africa, God Bless Africa, in the nation building in, an, in the anti-apartheid struggle. I want to propose that the significance of its importance is diminished in the moment of liberation, when the anthem is amended to incorporate lyrics from colonial and Afrikaner oppressors in South Africa. Over the course of the autumn semester in the wild world that is pandemic 2020, I took a class with Professor Joshua Tucker titled Music, Nation and Nationalism. I decided early on that I want to explore ideas of the national anthem in the South African context as a way to flesh out a possibly larger project. We spent the early weeks of the semester exploring the European iterations of national song and the formation of the nation, after which we moved on to other parts of the world. I saw this podcast as an opportunity to think more uh, about the questions of nation, song, and nationalism outside of a Western episteme. So the following bit of time will be dedicated to black people, black people's struggle in South Africa, the emergence of a national song, and the gross abuse of that national song in order to placate whiteness in South Africa. Uh, I want to break this podcast up into two loosely intertwined parts, one being my polemic rant that I think is um, of significant importance to me, and uh, my feeling about the South African National Anthem, and then I also want to think about its post-apartheid iteration, and the other, th- and then the other part um, being the historic and social context of Inok Songtonga, the man who wrote Nkosi Sikilele Africa. I also don't want to make this conversation unendingly boring with theory that has little to no bearing on the social and national landscape of my country. Inok Sontonga was born in Uteneg in the modern-day Eastern Cape of South Africa in 1873. It was then known as um, the Eastern Cape Colony. Um, He was born into a Kosa family and was raised as a Christian. He later became a teacher and Methodist choir leader at a mission school in Johannesburg. Some would argue that it is his time with the tradition of English choral singing that led to the melody of Nkosi Sikilele Africa, and I am definitely not in the position to refute that. But I would like to complicate it further. Kosa people have their own choral traditions with distinct rhythmic markers and vocal arrangements and melodic arrangements. So I would suggest that rather than simplify this composition into the category of Kosa lyrics with an English structure, I would say that this is a mixture of sounds and 
a kind of sonic amalgam that happens. I also want to propose that we read black nationalism on the African continent differently to the ways in which we read white nationalism in the, w- in the West. I would push further and say that the framework we have for currently thinking about nationalism is marred by whiteness and white militarism. Examples of this are the ways in which we think about the rise in fasc- of fascism in Italy uh, and Germany preceding World War II, but also how we come to understand current white nationalist movements in uh, the USA and the UK and Germany and other places. These are the thematic frameworks with which we think through the complicated movement of nationalism. And I think it is a failure in imagination on our part. This is where I would interject and push that we imagine a new way of thinking South Africa through the sonic trope as made by Inok Sontonga without the applications to whiteness. These placations are arguably a result of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission process in South Africa, which was a process by which, uh, whereby mostly white criminals were granted some form of amnesty or immunity if they agreed to be completely honest about their hate and racist crimes. This anthem, started at the end of the 19th century, was initially intended to be a school anthem. It was then later expanded by Inokson Tonga. Um, it became a popular. Uh, it became popular as a struggle song when it was played or sung at the end of meetings run by the then South African Native National Congress in the early 1900s. Um, that organization would later become known as the African National Congress, which would be is the party of Nelson Mandela and the the ruling. Uh, political party in South Africa um, since 1994. The point here then is not that I believe a national anthem is needed to provide a sense of unity among people bound by arbitrary and colonial borders, but rather that when Sontonga's version was slashed and brutalized into what it currently is. This anthem was adopted by multiple countries and translated into various languages and became a pan-African anthem of sorts. This is what I mean when I think, when I want to think of a new idea of a nation, something void of state and thus void of bordered logics of colonialism. And I firmly believe the sonic is a medium and a framework that can undo these arbitrary lines. So no, I do not believe Zimbabwe and Tanzania should still be singing these as their national anthems, but rather that this should be a mark of the possibility available in the black sonic utterance. I am once again lifting my tone from Amy Suzette's discourse on colonialism as is a habit with me. I believe that the logical lines that tie fascism in the West and its past of colonialism and enslavement are clear. Further, I want to use this opportunity of an assignment camp podcast to figure my own declaration. We black people cannot fully conquer the bounds of colonialism and class domination while simultaneously giving in 
to compromises that re-entrench racism in South Africa. And if I have not already risen to the ranks of the polemic I promised earlier, I'll do so now. I want to state firmly that I am making this podcast at least in part as a manifesto for the abolishment of the Afrikaans and English parts of the current South African national anthem. We must abandon it as it stands firmly as a vestige of our violent and oppressive past and a symbol of the ongoing violence of the oppressive present. The 1995 Rugby World Cup in South Africa was the ideal opportunity for the nation to display its newfound image internationally and show black and white people together in the stands supporting the national team, the Springboks. Nelson Mandela was on the field at the finals lifting the trophy with Francois Pinar at the end of a legendary match. But this moment also came in the midst of the TRC process and the emergence of the trope of the rainbow nation. Of course, there's no black or brown in the rainbow. Anyway, the reason I highlight this is that this becomes the first international spectacle that allows the new version of the national anthem to be broadcast globally. It became a beacon of the new South Africa that an international audience could latch onto. But Nkosi Sikilele in Africa was more than that. It was a plea, a cry and a call to the black god to rid Africa of the vile reign of terror that has been subjected to for centuries. I want to conclude with an anecdote then. My high school was what is called a former Model C school in South Africa, meaning that only whites were allowed to attend the school. By the time I began there, it was supposedly racially integrated. But that is a false narrative. The school was deeply racist and racially divided. At school, we would attend assemblies almost every week where we would sing the national anthem as well as the school anthem. It is there where I encountered the most sonically oppressive experience I have ever encountered while there. The white kids only sang the Afrikaans and English part of the anthem. They would belt it out at the top of their lungs and you would hear an audible volume change in the hall when they began. It was there at 14 years old that I recognized another level to the latent and dangerous white racism and anti-black sentiment dominating South Africa. I was always aware of race and racism thanks to my parents who never shied away from teaching me about these things. But when I realized, but what I realized when I went to that school is that the fight has to be fought on multiple fronts with the nationally symbolic being one of them. So I want to conclude this recording by saying that there will be no freedom until a new nation can be imagined and until the idea of the nation is wrestled out of the logics of whiteness and white supremacy. This final song then is perhaps a flawed ode to that new imagining. This is at the Fees Fall gathering at Wits University in, ja- in January, uh, in Johannesburg, excuse me, and is a rearrangement of the Inoxontonga original. May the black gods bless Africa. Maibuye i Africa. Africa.